You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, virtually via Zoom, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, 95 World Series champ, 93 Rookie of the Year runner-up in the National League, Greg McMichael. Uh, Greg, we've got... One of, I think, uh, one of, by everybody who knows him, one of the favorites of uh, former Braves players on today in Jay Hal. Um, it's, you know, Jay's so funny and has such a great personality when you're around him. It's like it, sometimes I have to, like, the times I've been around him, I have to remind myself, like, this guy was a longtime big leaguer, was a three-time all-star. I mean, this is like, he just, you don't think about, I don't think about him as this, this guy who was in the big leagues forever and had this established career. Cause he just, he feels like your buddy when you instantly are around him. He just makes you, or at least with me anyways, like I felt that comfortable with him like one minute after meeting him, you know? Um, and I'd heard about that him from, from other folks who've worked with Jay over the years that he's just a, a real treat of a guy. And he certainly is. Um, and you hear a little bit of that today, but you also hear well, the main reason we're here is we're in the middle of this National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. Both teams, um, Jay pitched for both teams in the postseason with both teams. Um, and he offers a lot of analysis on what's going on with these in this series and uh, as compared to what went on when you guys were, were in your playing career. So um, I don't even know where to start really with Jay. I'm just going to throw it to you and just say, okay, Jay, how go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, Jay's uh, one of my good friends. We play golf uh, about every week, and we we talk about everything. He's uh, greatly has greatly supported the alumni association with the Braves. Anytime I need him to do something, um, he's right there to help, and just a good friend. It's funny. I love. He's got some great stories. One thing I noticed about some of the older players, Jay's probably about I don't know. 10 years older than me. He was ending his career as I was starting. I was fortunate enough to him. You know, he was in the bullpen with me um, my rookie year, along with Steve Bedrosian. And, 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 you know, I think about Terry Pendleton, Sid Bream, Steve Bedrosian, and Jay Howell's kind of four mentors that I had. I was very fortunate um, 
uh, to have when I when I broke into the league. But it seems like the older guys have all the best stories. And I love Jay talking about his rookie year when he broke in with the Reds. And Jay was one of those guys. He was your classic closer where he threw he threw uh, in the upper 90s with a big curveball. So he would fit right in today. But he was a little wild his first three seasons. And so his very first game, he's pitching for the Reds against the Dodgers. And he throws an upper 90s fastball and hits Steve Garvey in the head. And Steve Garvey just, you know, flops on the ground and – and, you know, of course, he's out there on the mound thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? I've killed one of the great players of the game today. And, you know, Garvey, Garvey like classic Garvey, just gets up and, and trots over to first base. And um, so that's how his career started. And then over the next three seasons, he kind of he got a little bit better and ends up um, going to New York and, and then on to Oakland and starts, you know, a pretty good run of about seven years as a closer for – for Oakland and and the Dodgers, so uh, he. But anyway, he he is a lot of fun to be around, and hopefully uh, our fans get a taste of hearing you know from Jay. And, but yeah, he was there in a heyday with the Dodgers when Hershiser, Pedro, Pedro, uh, you know, Estacio, and and you had um, you know just some really good. Not Pedro Estacio, I'm sorry, but Hershiser's great run of all those scoreless innings and and. Um, they they were just they were our nemesis because we were both in the National League West there for a while in the late eighties and and so he was there part of that and then being able to come over and see our great run with the Braves it's, it's a lot of fun to talk about and and get his perspective absolutely and it's been for the the longtime listeners of Behind the Braves you you have you probably remember you've heard from Jay before he was one of our uh, our guests on our fantasy camp episode back in uh back in January and that's I think one of the hardest laughs I've had the whole two years of doing this show was him talking about his uh, his coaching techniques for his campers uh, and how, how how his strategy didn't really pan out. So if you if you're a newer listener, you can go back and check the live from the Bay's Fantasy Camp episode because Jay was it was quite quite a hoot then as well. So well, and one of the great pictures that I have from Fantasy Camp was his first year of, of ever coming to Fantasy Camp. He went over on his team. And of course he got all the blame. Right. And I think he was with Eddie Perez and Eddie was great about, about pushing the blame over to the pitching coach, which the pitching coach never gets the blame, but you know, Eddie did a great job of saying it was all Jay out. So this year, I don't know who Jay's, uh, who's, I can't remember who his manager was the first game they win. And he gets a uh, Gatorade shower, uh, and I've got pictures of him being doused with uh, with water and Gatorade from his team, and and how I don't think I know Eddie wasn't his manager because Jay got all the credit for the win, and he finally put to rest that it was Eddie who was the weak link last year or the year before, and he was not. So it was it was classic. <laughs> Well, by the time we had him on our show towards the end of that week, the credit had, had evaporated and the, and the losses were starting to be assigned. He was getting credit for the losses again. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Jay is, is a treat, and I, I'll tell you, I hope he's somebody we can just keep having on regularly because I just 
Uh, I just enjoy having him. He's so funny and just such a likable guy and has a lot of, a lot of knowledge. And, and, oh my gosh, you look at his big league career. The man has so much experience and so many things, stories he can talk about and, and mm. parallel to what's going on with today's game. And that's, that's a lot of what uh, we're talking about today because, hey, this is exciting. It's the National League Championship Series as we record this and as this episode's coming out, Braves are up 2-0 and uh, – that's what we want to talk about. So uh, I hope that the next time you folks hear from us here on Behind the Braves, we're talking about a World Series. I no jinx or anything because just who knows. Um, but we're very excited to be talking about the National League Championship Series and very excited to be talking about it with former Braves pitcher Jay Hal. That is hit deep into left center field. Back at the wall. It's gone. Austin Riley has put the Atlanta Braves on top with a home run on Blake Trinan. All right, buddy. Hey, uh, appreciate you joining us here on Behind the Braves podcast. Um, you're not a stranger to the postseason, um, and obviously being a former Dodger and former Brave, as well as uh, a few other teams, but specifically want to talk about the Dodgers and the Braves. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, uh, doesn't it feel good? for the bullpen to be getting their props? Yeah, it really does. Because there's, it's rare. Um, you know, you're always expected to do the job. And, uh, you know, it's really easy to blame a bullpen. Um, I do it all the time. But these guys are delivering under, uh, you know, under pressure. And uh, uh, they, made, they made some really good moves. They really bolstered their bullpen. And, um and, and people are, are uh, wise to it now, and that's great. Good for them. They're doing a great job. And, and um, you know, that really gives the guys, you know, that, that great feeling that, you know, they can lean on a bullpen if they have to. So that's yeah, awesome. It, it's interesting when I look at this whole Dodger-Braves dynamic, when you and I played – we hated the Dodgers and, and the Dodgers hated us because we were such rivals in the National League West, which is the division that the Braves, which is weird, but the Braves were actually in the West. So when I came into the league, uh, of course, you had been with the Dodgers in the late 80s. You were a world champion with them. Uh, you were part of that whole, uh, you know, Dodger blue. And these guys were kind of the, you guys were the the darlings of the West, I guess, at that point. But then, when the Braves started doing really well in the early 90s, there was some serious conflict there. We had some great uh, duels between um, between the, the Braves and the Dodgers. That, that dynamic, which unfortunately has gone now, and you don't really have that because the Braves have moved on into the East, right. uh, the, even though the Dodgers are there. But, you know, talk about a little bit about just – that whole rivalry. Did you did you feel that from your standpoint, from the Dodgers, about the Braves, or were the Braves just not good enough at that point? Yeah, the Braves were not there yet. So you're like you're talking early. Uh, I mean, late '80s. So you know, um, uh, Smoltzy and and Glav had not arrived yet, and it and uh, it was '91. You know where they came out of nowhere, and I and I I'll, I'll never forget it. I thought we were on our way in 91. Uh, we're going to win the division and, you know, Braves were, you know, they were, they were crawling us a little bit in September, but no big deal. We're going to take care of them. And then, the, then they, 
then it happened. You know, it happened. It was a seismic, you know, uh, change and, uh, Braves were on the map and, um, you know, uh, the, the wave that they rode was incredible to success. And, you know, the, the, you know, the nucleus of what they had. And if you look at the Braves today, it's, it's incredible. As I was watching, um, you know, these young starters and I'm looking back and thinking about, you know, the way that I was thinking about Smoltz and Glavin at the time, uh, with a, with a, you know, a few anchors of, of veterans that were there and the, uh, in the clubhouse and, uh, the clubhouse chemistry was top flight. I mean, it was, it was as good as it gets. And that's why I'm looking at it today and I'm seeing the exact same thing. I see the Braves, um, seem to be on the same page. These guys are friends. They get together. They got a leader in Freeman. They seem like they got everything going for them. And on the other side, I look at the Dodgers, and I think they're they're tight. They're playing, you know, they're under severe pressure. Hmm. And uh, you're looking at two different. You're looking at two teams. One loosey goosey, and I think you have the Dodgers. That to me, they look tight, hmm. and I think they have some issues going on. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask both of you as as pitchers and pitching in the postseason. The difference between adrenaline and handling things, you know, the mental toughness you have to have in the postseason as, a, as compared to the regular season. Because I got to tell you, I've been working these games from the press box at Truist Park, which, which me and two other people I work with pretty much have the entire room to ourselves. It's 80-person room, and it's three of us working in there, socially distanced with masks and all that good stuff. Right. Um, during the, the ninth inning of game two, when I tell you all, I think I wore I wore a path in the hallway, burned up the carpet. I was yelling words I shouldn't have been yelling in a in a workplace. I pounded my fist just out of sheer nerve. Poor Kelly Kroll from Fox Sports. I turned I I yelled something inappropriate one time when something didn't go our way, and I turned around. She happened to be standing right there, and I could see in her face she's like, "Okay, I'm not going to sit anywhere near this psycho." And I think <laughs> the next time I saw her, she was all the way on the other end of the press box. Um, but that was all just I'm just the dumb Twitter guy, and I'm like. The adrenaline and the nerves I had just watching were crazy. So I just want to ask you guys, I assume it has to be, you have to feel that a little bit when you're out there in the postseason, that it feels a little bit different. But how do you handle that in the postseason? How do you get get past that and still do your job? Go ahead, Jay. I think it's trial by fire. Um, it's interesting, this whole the, – this – this season is so different and then playing the seven games in a row um, and how it affects your bullpen and how it affects your squad. I put, uh, I think I put more, um, more weight on the managers right here in these playoffs. I think that this, the decisions made yesterday affect today much more so than they used to the old Billy Martin philosophy of, you know, we'll, we'll play, play uh, play today and we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow doesn't I don't think that's going to play in in this in this situation uh and you talk about bullpens being taxed I think that we're going to see this play out big time and um it's going to be interesting to watch some of these moves that these managers make in terms of their bullpen and when they go ahead and you know they you know, we would call it, uh, you know, throw in the, the towel 
Um, though I think that there will be some games where the, the, the towel will be thrown in and, and just to preserve a bullpen and, you know, go get them tomorrow. Uh, but as far as your answering your question about the uh, the temperature on the field, you know, in the in the terms of you know how electric it is, I think that a lot of that's missing without the crowd there. And I mean, I know from my experience, you know, being out on the mound, you know, when the crowd is you know fully engaged, there's a you know there, there's there's the the hair standing up on the back of your neck feeling. There's the you know, where you can feel the vibrations on the mound from the stadium, from people, you know, stomping their feet. It's a little different. And I think that um, in terms of, you know, pressure, I I, I don't know. It, to me, it, it seems like it's uh, uh, like the fans really do add in that degree. Would you not, would you not agree with that, Mac, that the, that the loss of the fan has taken away some of the, pressure for some of the yeah yeah and ricky and i talked about this i think um last week i think there's a there's layers so the first layer is okay my gosh i'm in the world series so that's something i've already always dreamed about the second thing is the second layer is i'm playing one of the best teams in baseball so i'm playing the dodgers and mookie Betts is up um and uh bellinger's up and the game's on the line those are two, but then that third layer, just when things start stacking, I mean, you can't you can't replicate fifty thousand people Yankee Stadium screaming at the top of their lungs on top of those other two things, and like you said, the hair on the back of your neck is standing up. I remember in Cleveland and in New York, World Series, and it's you just that is just something you just don't you don't understand what that's like until you do that. So you strip that away. I think that helps our young pitchers and young players like Pache. Uh, the Dodgers are all veterans for the most part. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they've been there, so they understand it. So I think that gives us the advantage because our young guys have not ex- don't experienced that. So that, that kind of helps even that playing field a little bit. But I, I agree with the, the manager's decision. I think it, it was almost costly that we took Ian Anderson out in the fourth inning when we really didn't have to. They can talk about all they want that, you know, he had a tough inning and they were stressful pitches. But made, you made the bullpen go one extra inning, and guess what? That one extra inning almost cost us because you had to put Tomlin in or you had to put A.J. Minner in in tough situations where – or you had to put Tomlin in in a tough situation where he hasn't pitched in a tough situation in a long time. Mentor hasn't pitched in a week. So uh, you take their inning away, one of those innings away, the game's still not close. So I think, I think those decisions will now, you had to use two extra people. You had to put uh, Melanson in another stressful situation. So now how effective will he be third day in a row? I know for me, I was effective three days in a row, but after that, I had to have a day or a day or two off. So, it seven days in a row was tough. And of course, Jay, you know as well as I do. I mean, you had Hershiser and Glavin when you're with the Braves, and also we could count on at least oh. one of those starting pitchers going a complete oh. game. So it gave the bullpen a break. That's not happening anymore. You're those guys are pitching four innings at least every night. Well, you left out. I like the way you chicken scratch, but. How about the Dodgers when they lost without Kershaw yesterday? All of a sudden, you know, all hands on deck. So I think there, there's going to be carryover there. 
Sure. But, you know, going back to the band thing, I can go back in my career and I can look back at the times when, you know, like I have a memory of Sid Bream hitting the grand slam against us as the Dodgers. That was uh, 91 on that run. And with the fans being in that, in that, you know, that uh, tomahawk chalk mode and the, um, the eerie chant in that stadium at old, you know, the old, uh, the old stadium there in Atlanta. And I, I, I remember that uh, as being probably, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it, it would affect you as a player. I was not on the field at the time. Fortunately, I've given up my, my, my first year of Grand Slams, but that, that one really stands out to me. And then I go to the World Series, and when I went into Oakland as being, you know, having played there, booed heavily there, I, I remember that. Uh, but there's, there's no substitute for that. And I, and I think you're right. I think that plays for the Braves as far as the younger guys go, no doubt. Hmm. Jay, you mentioned something a, a couple minutes ago about looking at one team in the Braves that are playing. I think you kind of said loosey-goosey and are having – like they look like they're having fun. When you yeah. guys were – uh, teammates and then and, and elsewhere in the postseason or you're on good teams, was there always kind of those certain guys who were the ones who were keeping things loose? I mean, you got your team leader in Freddie Freeman, but when there's also guys that are there to kind of try to keep things fun, I, I would say just from an outside observer, it seems like Ozuna is definitely that guy for uh, 100%. So, yeah, so there were guys like that. Okay. 100%. And I – and the Braves, and I don't know who they are, but they've got some fun, you know, um, team guys in there that create that, um, you know, there's stupid terms for it, like team spirit. It's not what that is. It's more, you know, us against the world. And, you know, we're, you know, like, like, um, you know, we're, we're all on the same, you know, uh, uh, we're, all, we're all on the same side of the uh, rowing the same, I guess. I don't know. It, uh, they, they just seem like they, they, they are, they're enjoying themselves and they're having a good time. And um, it stands out. You look at, um, you look at the Rays, same thing. Um, Well-managed and they've got guys that, you know, seem to get along really well. Um, I think it plays big in the playoffs and it always does when you go back and you look at, uh, you know, the year end, you know, uh, stories about each one of the teams. It seems like, you know, these guys make lifelong relationships with their buddies and, and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're picking each other up and they, you know, they, I, I think it really does matter. Hey, let me ask you this. So, um, you had, you you finished 360 games in your career. And you had 155 saves, so those are pretty amazing numbers. 15 years, that 15 different seasons you pitched in. Why, you know? And this came up last night again. Somebody said, "Hey, the the last three outs are the toughest outs of the game." Why? Why do you think that is? As a as a former closer, relief pitcher, why do you think that continues to be such such a tough time to get three outs? I think one of the, I think one of the main things is is that um, you 
you don't know for sure what the leadoff hitter is going to be doing given the game situation. So uh, depending on the game situation and the type of hitter that that first hitter is, is he taking a pitch? Are you throwing a cookie in the first pitch and giving them an opportunity to hit the ball out? And of course, the way the ball flies now, it's different. And uh, Mac, when we were playing, the ball was not as um, uh, wound as tight as it is now. Um, I'd love to give it all the credit to the hitters and say, you know, they're bigger, faster, stronger, and they have better launch angles. I'm sorry, I, I can't go there. I think that the balls are tighter. And that's and it's for everybody, so it doesn't really matter when you get down to it. But you got to keep the ball in the ballpark. And if you're going to throw strike one, now all of a sudden, do I throw him one? Do I throw him a cookie, or you know, do I you know maybe go a down and away strike because he might jump me? And so you start to get into playing those games, and. You know, you you can get in your head, you know, and, and you know, as a relief pitcher, you got to make a decision, go with it, throw strike one and you, you can't walk people. And, you know, and when the when the when the snowball starts going downhill and you and, and you got to be you got to be able to stop it. Um, uh, yeah, I, and that's a I, good point. That's a good I, point I, as far I, as that. I just think it's really hard to throw strikes for guys that haven't been doing it. You know, they haven't done a ninth inning and, you know, they got swing and miss stuff. That's all great. But you got to, you got to throw strikes. You can't walk anybody. And um, I can't tell you how many times, Mac, I mean, you've seen it. You were amazing uh, that you could go in there and you were not bothered and you could just throw strikes. Um, and it's really hard to do, but you got to throw strikes and keep the ball in the ballpark in this modern era. And that's really hard to do. Hmm. Look at Chapman. I mean, what is this through three years in a row? I mean, you know, and yeah. neither one of us threw 99 miles an hour. Um, but you got to be able to, you know, keep it off the barrel in the ninth inning. And that I think that job is even harder today. Uh, I'll be honest, I think it's harder today. I also think that the strike zone's smaller. I, yeah. So you it's know, it's definitely that, different. The ninth <laughs> inning is is tougher. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. And you almost and and, and really you you, uh, you have to be you, you you just have to be somewhat blind to all the factors that are going on out there even more today than, than in our day. I think it's got to be harder today. Hmm. Okay, I have a two-part question. Uh, yeah. Part one, what do you remember about Greg McMichael as a rookie teammate in 93? And part two, do you remember him being given the nickname Harry? <laughs> <laughs> of course, 100%. First thing was he had really bad needs. <laughs> and, um, you know, you'd look at him just the way that he would walk. And, you know, I, I remember saying to him, you know, Mac, you can't walk out there like that with your knees like that. You don't, that's not like a closer walk, you know, and he goes, I'm not out here to, you know, blow people away. I, that's not my style. You know, he'd always, he's a very defensive guy. <laughs> um, 
But what I remember about him, and it was funny, Leo, I remember Leo used to come to Bedrosian. Like if Bedrosian and I were like standing together, Leo would come over and he might say something like, you know, don't tell McMichael, man, he's our closer. I don't want him to get, uh, you know, I don't want him to feel, uh, you know, like he's got a black cloud over his head and he feels a little more pressure. I remember Bobby saying that too. Don't tell McMichael, but he's closing it today. You know what I mean? Or, or he'd come to me and say, you're first in. I'm bringing you in no matter what. Make sure you tell those guys that are starting so that they have fear. You know, they have fear in their blood that you're going to come in and give up all their runs. You know, that kind of environment, we, we, we had an awesome group. I, I can't tell you how good that, that clubhouse was. But mm-hmm. McMichael um, had a filthy, nasty uh, changeup. And then he threw it kind of at a low, like a, a drop-down slot. And um, I used to tease him that it was because his wrists were so limp that he could do it. <laughs> but, I mean, he had a absolute stupid Bugs Bunny type changeup, and he had a nice slider. He had a sink that he would throw out of there at a, at a you know, a little higher clip. You know, uh, Mac, you could you touch the 90s, right? I mean, you're right around yeah. 90, and then that changeup, you know, on today's, gun, huh? on today's gun, on today's gun, I'd be touching ninety. You would, you absolutely would. But you, you were filthy. But more than anything, you could throw strikes and you could throw your changeup first pitch strike. Rare, rare. And um, I think it was rare. I'd like to check the stats. How many times? What did you walk the leadoff man? Yeah, not many. I didn't have. Not many. I, I, I was always up there just because I had to be. I, you know, I was. If I started walking the people, you know, I was, I was in trouble. You wouldn't have been in that slot. Bobby Cox would not have had you closing out games. I mean, and that happened in the second half of the year of '93. I mean, Stanton was lights pretty much lights out, and then you know the wheels came off just that quick. It was in a week. Within a week, he was having trouble throwing strikes. And then you took over. But um, what I remember about Greg was is he, he was um, re- quiet um, and he had really broad shoulders. I mean, he, as we came down the end of the season and, and pressure situations, I mean, this guy, I mean, pressure for him was diamonds. I mean, McMichael was not at all. I didn't, he was not nervous. He was just rock solid. Would you not agree with that, Mac? Uh, well, I, I guess you I just, I didn't know enough. I didn't know enough to be nervous at first. Year. Ignorance. You're going to go with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of young players can, you know, they can get by with just straight up talent and ignorance. And it's helpful. Uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of adjustments. But in the up with you. And I don't know that it did catch up with you. Well, I think, you know, as well as I do, you pitch for a long time and there's not a whole lot of adjustments to make that first year. And then, you know, of course, nowadays it may be a little quicker with all the, the video and, and the, you know, the feeds that they have in the dugout. And um, But back then, the scouting reports took a little bit a while to get around. And then as a, as a relief pitcher, you didn't throw enough to each guy to, for it to make a difference. And then it's really that second year 
that you have to make, you know, you got to make some adjustments. So I think that that really helps, uh, you know, used to help younger guys the first year. Yeah, that was your opportunity where you could have said that you really <laughs> know that you you garnered a lot of wisdom and strength from Bedrosian and I, but you didn't. You whiffed. You didn't do it. That's fine. I'll remember that. That's, well, that's, that's, I was going to say. No, it's probably right. No, it's probably my fantasy that we helped you at all. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I did because I never told you you were closing the games. I mean, I always acted like, no. get get, hey, Mac, get ready. It's the fifth. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I will but, say that, you know, this team, I was the only rookie on the team. So I benefited from all these guys. I mean, think about all the. You know, at that time, Jay, you were a three-time All-Star. I mean, you'd played for 15 seasons. Bedrosian was a Cy Young Award winner. Um, I mean, you had these guys in the World Series for two years. I mean, how could you not? How could you not feed off everybody's you know experience as a young player? Yeah, toss in a a Maddox while you're at it. You know, toss in a Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz, and what do you got? Right, and I mean, all you got to do is just spend a few days with those guys, and you get all smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a real thing going on with even with the guys. You think about the young guys like Pache and and Anderson. They're you know they're around these veteran guys, and that you know we talk about that, but it is a real thing when you can be next to a guy who's like a Marquecas who's been around and been the ace, you know been the league championship before. That is something that does it does wear off. You know, on everybody. I agree. I think Marquecas wears it real well for the Braves. He he does. The other thing, you know, I was thinking about today's game. I think today's game is huge. Mm. Right? Agreed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at this point. This one right here is, is the one. I guess you could say that about every game, but um, this one to me, you know, if they if the Braves can pull this one off, I think this is uh, well. You don't want to give the Dodgers any glimmer of hope because they're too good, and so it's like kick. You know, you just got to keep them down, and you got to keep the heat on because if not, like you said, it'll flip in a heartbeat, just like it happened to us in '96. We were up 2-0, and then then the, the Yankees were a veteran team. They come back, and the momentum shifts. Mm-hmm. I mean that. Look at that A series that you guys played against with the Dodgers. Nice. I mean that was, you know, there was key points the whole series where that thing could have changed any number of times in that series. Oh, we would have. Been, I I think it had Gibson not hit the home run in the ninth off Eckersley, I I think the whole series changes. I think it's a completely it's a it's a swing that I don't think we win the series. I don't. I, I I've always thought that, and I, the way I, I wonder, we look back at, at the game tonight. I think this is a gigantic game for the Braves, and you know, right? I mean, you know, these guys. We were talking about the, you know, not having the crowd. I think it's going to play. It's going to help the Braves. Mm-hmm. You know, with their young guys. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we need Kyle coming out of the gate pitching well. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, um, for me, as you know, Greg, I mean, I played with so many teams now. I can almost just like put on my gear. You know? <laughs> yeah. Did you call me the front runner? I think you did. Well, you did. I just, I just hope that the Dodgers uniforms are in storage 
and you got the Braves <laughs> uniform on the back of the chair. So that's what I'm we're hoping. I'm a big Braves for. fan. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big Braves fan. As short as short as it was of my career there, I got to be honest. There's the, the the organization ranks right up at the very top. They're on the very short list of best organizations in baseball, and um, you know. They they've done an amazing job to get back to where they are. Let's see if let's hope they can pull it off. That's and right. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't I don't mind being the last World Series champ for the Dodgers. You know, if you think about it from a selfish standpoint, I am I am pulling for both teams, but they are completely different teams. It's interesting. Mm. And when I say teams, I'm I'm putting that on the. The Braves, because they seem like more of a team to me. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you just there's just a like you said when you've won the division eight years in a row, your expectations are through the roof with one of the highest yeah. payrolls. You've got the highest yeah. paid highest paid player in the game, Mookie 100%. Betts, and you've got Kershaw that's trying to change his you know how he's going to go down in history. And I mean, they got a lot of pressure that we don't have. Correct, hundred percent. And I'm watching it, and I and I mean, I don't even have to look at the TV screen to see it on their faces. Honestly, I I think the pressure is immense for them. Yeah, agreed. You know, well, hey, buddy, I appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today, talking oh. Dodgers Braves. Uh, oh. It's been a lot of fun, and and uh, good luck with the house and. And oh uh, well, we'll let you we'll let you plug too. You're you know Jay's an avid farmer, so uh, he's got a CBD oil company that uh, is selling. Uh, you want to you want to plug that? Tell us a little bit about oh, that. Oh yeah, we're Killer Watts Farm now. Um, I, I haven't sent you any updated pictures, have I? Of what we're doing up there? No, so no, I need to see it. Clemson. Yeah, we're in Clemson, and uh, we're right now in the middle of harvest. I got my. Um, my nephew, who's an ag grad from uh, Colorado State, flying in. We're harvesting our our crop, and then we're, we're we make CBD oil, and um, we're excited. I mean, you know, it's it's coming along great. I mean, this year so much better than last year, and uh, keeps me busy and off the streets. So it's it's awesome, <laughs> and uh, we got a great product. Matter of fact, I gave you some, but I know you didn't even take any of it. You didn't even try it. That's not true. That's not true. And with somebody I, who can hardly, like when you walk, you walk on glass. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, like, here's the yeah, deal. No, you, you, you were trying to get an edge in our golf game, and that day you gave me some, I lost. So I, you know how baseball players were superstitious. So yeah, but how about I, it's hard. How about Todd playing the worst game of his life? He wouldn't. <laughs> he plays yeah. the worst game of his life. He blames it on me. Everybody does. Everybody does. That's right. Anyway, no, no, it's been a pleasure to be with you guys. Um, um, you guys are are the best. Appreciate it. And uh, you know, go Braves. This is going to be this is going to be exciting afternoon. I I can't wait to tune in. Let's do it. All right, buddy. See you, buddy. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.